Welcome to episode number 37 of Camping Out, a podcast about interesting people, stories, adventures, and their impact in the world, usually through the lens of outdoor adventure. I am Dan Camp, and in this episode, we had the magical opportunity to sit down with a big-time innovator, the co-founder of Diversify Whitewater, and the producer-creator of Whitewater TV, Antoinette Lee Toscano. Antoinette has family ancestry from Nigeria, Ireland, China, and Jamaica, a real multicultural mix, and she's using her skills and proud voice to push conversations on how we can provide safe places for people from the BIPOC and LGBTQ communities in the outdoors. Adopted to a black family in Queens, New York as a child, 11 years of service in the Army. Guys, that is just the tip of the iceberg for Antoinette. There is so much to get into, a lot of good content here, guys, so why don't you go ahead, pull yourself up a seat to the fire, pour yourself your preferred fireside beverage, and get ready to listen to the one, the only, Antoinette Lee Toscano. Welcome to Camping Out. I am Dan Camp, and with me by the campfire today is Antoinette Lee Toscano. Antoinette has done and seen a lot in her life. Uh, too much to cover in just this one introduction. I'll, I'll do my best. She spent 11 years in the United States Army, is a former IT executive, has over 10 years of experience in creative writing, has been a contributing writer to many publications, including Paddling Magazine, works with top-tier outdoor brands like Kokatat and Badfish SUP, and is a transformational public speaker with a passion for helping people living with health challenges and those diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress. Now, if that doesn't sound busy enough, Antoinette is also the co-founder of Diversify Whitewater and the creator and producer of Whitewater TV. With family ancestry stemming from Nigeria, Ireland, China, and Jamaica, Antoinette is tirelessly lending her unique voice and skills to the world of outdoor recreation, and the world is a better place because of it. Antoinette, welcome to Camping Out. Dan, thanks so much for having me. I've been wanting to have this talk for a long time. Yeah, we've kind of like mingled in like some social circles together. And I, I think people are going to get tired of me saying this, but anytime like Natalie Zollinger is involved with something, like I just want to be involved with it because she's awesome and just brings some energy to the place. And so when I saw you guys having a conversation a while back, I was making sure I was listening and uh, you reached out and said, Dan, why don't you join the conversation with us? And we had this really intimate, fun conversation. And, uh, you know, since then I've been following you and trying to learn more about you. And, and like I said, you're just so intimately involved in like all these different cool things. Um, and a lot of them are in the world of outdoor recreation. So I'm really honored that you took the time to sit down today. Glad to be here. And thanks for participating in the diversity, equity, and inclusion discussions that we had on uh, Whitewater TV. Those were super fun. And you're right. Nat's my girl. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> so, yeah, um, any friend of Natalie, I'm like, oh, I need to get to know Dan. Yeah, she's a good connector. Um, every podcast I ask, what is your preferred fireside beverage? We are actually meeting in the morning. Uh, we're both in, you're in mountain time too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to guess for you, I'm drinking coffee. I'm a coffee drinker. What's your preferred morning fireside beverage? So typically I drink coffee, but for you, I got some homebrew growing. Um, yes. I some homebrew going. <laughs> it's um, a German chamomile that I grew in my organic garden. And I talk a lot about that on Whitewater TV. Fueling your body for adventure sports is really important. So I got that mixed up here. And uh, if it were evening, I might have thrown some um, Sailor Jerry's spice rum in that mix, but it's morning. So yeah, we got to <laughs> mind our P's and Q's here. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So much to talk about. Such little time. Uh, this might be something that we spend into a couple podcasts, invite you back um, to make sure we cover everything. Cause I mean, you just talked about something health and wellness in the outdoor industry, which is an incredible tangent. But I love to start at the very beginning. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, where are you now? And how did you get involved with outdoor recreation? Oh, boy. Um, those are some heady questions for, <laughs> for morning. But um, as you said, I, um, I served 11 years in the Army. And at five years old, I was raised in a very patriotic Black family. I'm adopted, but um, I was adopted by a black family. I make that distinction because people assume <laughs> that I was adopted by white people. Right. And we can get into why that is later. But um, 
So I was watching a movie, Bridge Over the River Kwai, with my uncle and my my dad, and I announced that I was joining the army at five years old. And when all of my friends wanted to be princesses or, you know, if you asked them who they were, I would say, I'm a warrior. I'm here to save you. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And so, um, you know, I went to college, joined the army, went back to college, and um, I got injured while I was in the army. So I'm originally from New York City, uh, born and raised in a little greenhouse in Queens, New York. But I've lived all over the world, uh, lived and worked all over the world and uh, settled in Colorado, which Colorado is made for me. When I came here for a kayaking trip, I fell in love with the people, the climate, the culture and the, the outdoor adventure sports culture and packed up everything I own 2,500 miles from everyone I know and moved to Colorado. Amazing. I think a lot of people uh, that have never maybe left far from home hear that story and it gives them anxiety. So for you, was it exciting to to move and find new places and new people? Or uh, I guess being in the army too, that probably, um, you know, some of those decisions were they made for you? Well, yes. When I was in the military, I moved about every two years and I loved it at the time, but it made me feel like I didn't have roots. So being mm-hmm. adopted, you also kind of don't feel like you have roots. And then moving around so much in the army made me feel like I don't have roots. So I really wanted a place where I felt like I was among my tribe, my people, my clan, just people who get me. And I never really felt like a New Yorker. Um, I love New York. I love the cosmopolitan global perspective that I had as a child, but I was super outdoorsy and I wore cowboy boots in a New York city high school because I was authenticity has been a word for me since I was four years old when I learned to read. And I've always tried to live an authentic life, even when it was unpopular, And I've been looking for like the Western culture and being outdoorsy without being judged. Um, And so I found my place here in Colorado and I've, I have this amazing outdoor adventure community, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful. It's mostly white men, (laughs) a few (laughs) women, a few multicultural uh, people, but most of the time I'm out in the back country with a bunch of white dudes and it is amazing amazing so supportive even when i'm like i'm scared (laughs) you know of this next rapid coming up or i'm scared you know to summit this next peak and it's just like amazingly supportive crew and i couldn't ask for more and i know a a lot of other people of color don't have this so yeah that kind of breaks my heart Right. Yeah. I, that's something super important. I want to get to that uh, definitely, but I'd love to hear about your experience in the army. Um, I've had, I've talked to a lot of people that have had really great experiences and a couple of people who have had not so great experiences. So what was your experience like? Did you join pretty much right out of high school since you had that dream as a five-year-old? Yeah. So I don't want to talk too much about my army experience and here's why I have a book deal and my military memoir is coming out next year, uh, 2022. So, um, I, I kind of go into all of that there, Yeah. but the working title for the book is four hours to live memoir of a female soldier. So that kind of tells you a bit about my experience. Um, I will say, though, that I broke my back and had a traumatic brain injury in the Army. So and that happened in my late 20s. So arthritis set in for me in my late 30s. Uh, or early thirties rather. And it's just been like one health challenge after another. Um, but you know, kayaking is what got me away from using a walker and a service dog eight years ago. And, um, I've been adventuring ever since, and I don't use a walker or a service dog. She's just like the family pet now. That's, that's incredible. So how did kayaking take you from that space of, uh, injury? And I'm sure like there's probably some, uh, really heavy emotional ties at that time too. You know, that whenever you can't go do the things you want to do, that drains you. Um, how did you go from feeling that way? to getting into kayaking? And then was that the beginning of your, you know, gigantic push into the outdoor industry? Uh, So 
when I came to kayaking, I had already taken up archery and I was um, hunting deer to feed the rescued animals at the Carolina Tiger Rescue because oh, you can cool. donate wild meat for that purpose. But when I told my family I wanted to become a bowyer so that I could you know, serve this purpose, I could feed the rescued animals. My family race shamed me out of participating in adventure sports for another 10 years. You know, they first started with, well, it's not safe because you're a woman. And then it's, well, it's not safe because you're black. And then it's, you know, you're black, right? We don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) And really, I, I wanted at least one ally in the Black community, in my Black community, that would say to me, this is cool what you're doing, and if it makes you happy, go do it. Yeah. But no one did, not in my religious community, not anyone at work, not in my family or my living community. No one supported me, and it was a big deal t- at that point in my life to go against, you know, um, what was my, at that time, black culture. Um, and so I waited 10 more years and then I was just like, you know, my, my heart is in this and I'm just going to do it. And it's been amazing ever since, but I have to tell you, it wasn't until about three years ago that people that I've known, uh, all my life how, or for a long time, have said, what you're doing is wonderful and you're inspiring me to get out and be more outdoorsy, to take up an adventure sport. But before then, I was, you know, people would tell me, you don't have a black card. Why are you trying mm-hmm. to act white? You know you're not a white girl, right? So, yeah, I'm glad that is changing because black people, Hispanic people, Latinx people, Asian people, all adventure. Yeah. But cultural baggage and limiting beliefs tells us that we don't. Right. What do you think it was in that, you know, three, four year ago span that uh, changed people's perspective? I think more people like me started posting on social media and talking about being outdoorsy. And then that made it more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't. I used to code switch around black people. So for example, if I went at the time when I was a Christian, I'm a Buddhist now, I would go to church and people would say, oh, what did you do yesterday on Saturday? And I would totally code switch. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I did some housework and some yard work. And really, I was like kayaking the Nanahala or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Much different than housework. Right. But if I said that, people would shame me. They right. would act like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And I I really didn't have the self-confidence at the time to advocate for myself and to say this is normal, that lots of Black people and other people of color do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing that got me into kayaking really was um, I had taken up archery and I was hunting with friends And then I became really debilitated. Um, My brain injury and other injuries from the military sometimes will create um, changes in my body where my limbs stop working effectively. That's why I had to have a walker. And then sometimes other organs stop working properly. And then we have to do physical therapy, occupational therapy, and all kinds of really rehabilitative processes. And so in 2013, for 18 months, I couldn't leave my house. I, because I was so debilitated and mind you, I had gone from running track in high school, cross country. Um, um, I was a sprinter. I was a middle distance runner, but I loved cross country more because you got mm-hmm. to run in the forest. Right. And then um, I was a competitive bodybuilder and power lifter. Um, Wow. While I was in the army. And so I'm super strong, both mentally and physically. Even after breaking my back, I was a competitive bodybuilder. Wow. And so um, I went from being very strong to being so debilitated, I couldn't care for myself. I had to have a caregiver, a walker, a service dog. And then little by little, I became agoraphobic. I could not leave my house. Mm -hmm. And so... um, I did all of the um, work, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, talk therapy, et cetera. I 
went to my first doctor's appointment outside of my home, super proud of myself. And I saw a poster for Team River Runner. It's a nonprofit organization that teaches veterans and family members how to kayak, raft, mm-hmm. stand up paddleboard, all the paddle sports. And I thought, that's my why. That's what's going to motivate me to do the work to get back out into life in general, not a, let alone kayaking. Right. And so I asked my recreation, I asked my physical therapist if someday I would be strong enough to kayak. And she said, you could do it now. I'll, I'll sign you up. I'll get you registered. Here's the okay. process. Two weeks later, Um, so my parents sent all of us to swim lessons, but I actually hit my head in the bottom of the pool because my older brother threw me in and I was knocked unconscious and I didn't want to go back to swim lessons. So I learned to swim as, as an adult, but then because of the brain injury, I forgot how to swim. So I had to take swim lessons all over again. (laughs) And so in the two weeks while I was waiting for kayaking to start, I relearned how to swim. In two weeks? In two weeks. Well, because I kind of knew it. I just had to like. Yeah. Reconnect the synapses. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I I relearned how to swim, showed up for kayaking with my walker and my service dog in tow. And she's having like a panic attack every time I try to roll my kayak. She's like, where are you? You know, (laughs) but that's what started. And I think it was maybe within two months, I was not using a walker again. And from there, I wanted to climb and I wanted to hike and camp and all of the things. And now here I am. Now here you are. Yeah. And it was, it sounds like nature is just like this reconnecting theme in your life, which I find in people who really attract to that in their adulthood and, you know, want to make a difference in that world. It normally starts, there's like an aha moment. A lot of the times it's young. Uh, as you were reconnecting with uh, yourself and, and your physical health and your mental health, what did nature, what did you feel it bringing back into your life as you were upside down in a kayak, which is really traumatic for a lot of people or uh, deciding like, I want to go try rock climbing or even like archery, like being in the woods. What did you feel coming back at you energy-wise from the, the natural places? So even though I grew up in a, uh, a house in Queens, you know, we had an empty lot behind us, which I used to call the forest. And so I would leave my backyard and camp in the the pretend forest, you yeah. know, the empty lot with the trees and so forth. And my parents, you know, told me to take my dog, Sean, <laughs> which I did. And they didn't really like the fact that I was camping out in the, yeah. in the forest behind our house. But I just, you know, my dad could see, my mom just wanted me to be a lady. I actually went to um, a finishing school from age 15 to 16 to be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mom. <laughs> and But my dad understood that I had this, I've always had this deep connection to nature and I just needed to be outdoors, winter, spring, summer, fall. And so Nature was always with me, always present. It was always the place that I felt like I could recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime life felt stressful, I would just go on a long run, you know, running through New York City. I was known as the kid with the backpack. Mm-hmm. And even like my five-year-old memories of are of my neighbors describing me as, oh, you know, the kid that always runs. She's training for the army, but she's like six. <laughs> <laughs> Because I would tell people that. They're like, where are you running to? And I'm like, I'm training for the army. You're five, you're six, you know. But that was always with me. And so yeah. getting back into archery and back into kayaking, I felt like I was going home. And wow. that's what nature feels like to me. My house is lovely and I, I love it. I'm so fortunate to have it. But what feels like home is when I'm outdoors in a tent or outdoors doing some kind of recreating. And that's led you to, um, so you had those experiences and then you started um, Diversify Whitewater. Is that the next like big bound into that that realm? Yeah. So um, I met a young woman named Lily who came to a um, kayaking roll session at a pool. And um, it's where Team River Runner Fort Collins, where I'm an assistant chapter coordinator helping other veterans. That's so um, cool. That is kayaking. so cool that you've been able to like go give back to that community that 
brought you into yeah that's amazing well they're my peeps they're my peeps (laughs) so cool I love it so I um was there I my shoulder and bicep needed to be reconnected so I was waiting for my shoulder surgery appointment which Mm -hmm. was canceled a couple of times because of COVID but it's now fully rehabilitated um and so I wasn't paddling so I was kind of helping out some new person get their gear on and in walked this young Asian woman and she was considering volunteering with Team River Runner. So she showed up at the event and was kind of checking things out. And we looked at each other and we're like, oh, another person, another woman of color who's a kayaker. Oh, my gosh. And we hugged. Yes. And so... Um, you know, later she said, hey, let's I want to form a club in uh, northern Colorado to teach black indigenous people of color how to kayak. And would you um, help me out? And I said, yeah, let's partner up and, and do this. So we co-founded Diversify Whitewater. And it was always my intention that it would be a national event because I yeah. knew I had a whole network across the country at 43 other Team River Runner chapters. And I knew lots of people in the industry. Uh, I'm a, a business, I have an MBA and I'm a business consultant for the outdoor industry also. Mm-hmm. And so I just knew that I knew enough people to make this a national um, program, but yeah. I didn't say that to her until after the second, after the first event, I wanted to make sure we could pull it off first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count your chickens before they hatch kind of thing. Right. But but then I just felt like the Diversify Whitewater mission is useful and it serves a really great purpose to introduce people to adventure sports. But what happens after that initial introduction? Because very few people... And, and I know this from nine months of researching the lack of diversity in paddle sports. And I wrote about it for Paddling Magazine and Cultures, Global Multicultural Magazine. And then also I talked to 115 participants at Diversify Whitewater events last year. And I asked them why why they were there, how they came to know about it, what are their plans after the event for continued participation. And so I had a good idea of what the barriers are. And I felt like the mission needs to be expanded because not everybody's going to be in love with paddle sports. You know, there's a lot of fear involved in paddle sports. Um, Not everybody's comfortable in water. I am a multi-sport participant, and I thought, well, let's meet people where they are. Yeah. We can't get everybody comfortable in water, but maybe they might learn how to hike or climb or archery or fishing or swimming or or some other um, outdoor activity. And so that's why I resigned from Diversify Whitewater to start a new nonprofit um uh, initiative under Whitewater TV in collaboration with one of your friends, uh, Vibe Tribe <laughs> Adventures, Jessica Newton. Yes, I was going to bring out Jess. She is so wonderful. <laughs> and they got a new baby. Yeah, oh, yeah, baby Z. Yes. He's awesome. <laughs> I, have so a, I have a bone to pick with him when he's older because <laughs> he he spilled milk on one of my favorite <laughs> adventure sports dresses. And I said, we're cool now, little man. But when you're four, I'm going to have a chat with you. <laughs> yeah, once you can comprehend this conversation, it's coming to you, buddy. Yeah. That's so funny. But he's adorable. I've been keeping up as much as I can on the social medias. Sorry to interrupt. I love Jess. Yeah, no worries. I went hiking with Jess and Baby Z um, when I was um, I was at an event representing Kokatat, nice. <laughs> um, where we were teaching um, the urban trekker youth um, children. I think it was about fifty children te- oh. uh, of color teaching them how to to kayak and canoe. Um, over a, a two-day event, and then we went uh, hiking, and so I got to hike with little baby Z Cute. and the other campers. So that's that's how Whitewater. T- I didn't know how Whitewater TV came to fruition, but it's kind of like a a, a thought child of these original ideas, and then uh, creating a space where you can 
again, diversify, I guess is the right word, uh, what your offerings are. And you've been able to put out some really amazing content and uh, had some really just fantastic people on there. I listened to a roundtable conversation with uh, with Jess on it, actually, on Whitewater TV, which was really powerful. So what is your mission with Whitewater TV? And um, tell me a little bit more, t- I guess, tell the viewers here what they can expect if they um, if they check it out. Sure. So what I envision for Whitewater TV is this. What I've noticed uh, in looking at the data, and the data in the outdoor industry is not comprehensive. For example, there are no statistics on um, Asian participation or Indigenous American participation. It's basically Black, White, and Latinx and Hispanic, which they lump together. And... um, so we really don't know what the indigenous population is doing. There's no LGBTQIA data. Um, how are we serving this community? There's also not any data that talks about why in 2020 there was an uptick in uh, outdoor recreation participation. They were mostly urban. They were mostly um, female, and they were mostly people of color, and mainly earners of over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Why are middle income folks and low income earners not um, participating in adventure sports in great numbers? Yeah. So I had a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions. But I have some ideas also on how to solve some of these data collection challenges. I think the wrong people are collecting the data for one for one um, ish, um, one is one of the reasons. The but you know we could have a whole separate talk about <laughs> data because I also have a degree in economics and yeah, I, <laughs> I love can tell data, you this. so that's the, a dangerous it, tangent. But the industry won't survive unless it diversifies because the majority of the majority of American households right now are headed by a multicultural person of color. Almost 50 percent, I think, is at 43 percent. Wow. So if you don't figure out how to draw, I am a black person of color. I'm multicultural. I'm original black Irish, (laughs) Nigerian (laughs) Irish, right? So I'm as black Irish as you can get. If Uh you don't figure out how to bring me into this sport, someone like me, who also, by the way, multicultural millennials um, have a trillion dollars of spending power and they're choosing where to spend those dollars and they're spending it on companies who have a social justice, diversity, equity, inclusion policy, um, and if you don't target this audience, they are taking their dollars somewhere else. So yes. when I created Whitewater TV, what I hope to do is not only help Americans, but people around the world, because we have a global audience. The people that have been priced out of adventure sports, the people who are interested in participating, but are afraid of getting started. You know, everyone has that fear of looking foolish, of having to swim out of your boat or, you know, getting scared when you're just about to summit, you know, um, uh, on a climb. Right. And so I wanted to make entry excelling and becoming a professional in the outdoor recreation industry easier because I have all these connections. I have companies who want to hire women, people of color, LGBTQIA folks, but they don't know how to reach these communities. I have people who want to mentor these same people. I have people who want to mentor low-income folks of any ethnicity, right? And, and tell them how to become entrepreneurs and, um, um, customer facing employees, not just facility maintenance folks and housekeepers, but someone who's oaring a raft, for example, right? Yeah. So I also wanted to help professional athletes, especially professional athletes of color who don't get adequate press so that they stay on the radar of companies so that they can become sponsored athletes and and pro team athletes. So for example, the number five kayaker in the world, Sadat Kawawa, 
was not sponsored by anyone. He was on everyone's radar. And then yeah. for some reason, he fell off. Probably it's just like there are so many kayakers, so many wonderful kayakers, so many kayakers with great charisma like Sadat. And so if you're if you don't have a way to constantly stay on companies radar, then people get busy. You know, yeah. they have good intentions of reaching out to you and then, you know, they get busy doing something else and forget to to circle back. But by providing a platform for enthusiasts, professionals and entrepreneurs and outdoor recreation that is um, diverse an equitable representation on whitewater TV. I've helped five athletes get, um, get sponsorships. Sadat Kawawa, for example, um, he was already on Kokotat's radar. I just reminded them how much yeah. <laughs> they liked him. Right. <laughs> um, I, I helped, um, athletes with disabilities. I helped women. I helped, you know, all people in the United States and in Uganda, for example. And that's what I hope for this platform, that yeah. it's it's for a wide range of people who want to enter this sport or excel or go to the next level in the sport. And I've got some really exciting co-contributors um, like Ashley Manning will be doing a series on uh, Whitewater TV. Um, I have other people that I won't announce now, but will announce later, but you'll recognize them from the industry. Yes. So this is super exciting to give, you know, a platform for so many people, but also to provide free and subscriber-based content um, to the masses around the world. And the thing about the subscriber-based content, here's why some of our content you have to pay for. And if you become a monthly subscriber, this is where your money goes. 2% of it goes towards supporting programming at Diversify Whitewater and Vibe Tribe Adventures. So the national, the free American Adventure Sports Club is a Vibe Tribe Adventures and Whitewater TV collaboration. And um, we are donating a percentage of our subscriptions to that program. And Amazing. to diversify whitewater. So it's not just a, a, about platform and it's not just a, about um, creating a business. It's about helping people. And I really want this to be a legacy. You know, yeah. I may look 35, but I'm 53. And so you think You're about. You're 53? I, oh I my am 53. Gosh. I'm so glad we're doing a video component to this because people, <laughs> I, I can't believe that, but sorry, continue. You look great. <laughs> It's all the organic living and outdoor living people. Yes. <laughs> Listen up. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I th I'm thinking about what do I want to leave? And what yeah. I want to leave are the health and social benefits of outdoor recreation. So if outdoor recreating looks like reading a book in nature, taking a walk around your New York City apartment, that's recreating. That's outdoor recreation. And if that's you, great. But if it's your idea of outdoor recreation is attempting to summit the Grand Teton like I did in 2019, I'll be back, Tetons. <laughs> <laughs> My shoulder's fixed. I'm coming back. <laughs> so Mama Grant said, no, not this time, honey. I love you, but go home. Yeah. Like next that's, time. <laughs> nature's humbling in the best yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. But it's all good. Yeah. So whatever outdoor recreating looks like for you, there's a way to safely get into it. And we want to, to do that. We want to deliver that. Yeah. I mean, the way I'm, I'm picturing my head is like a gigantic spider web. And so like you guys are at the middle of that you're the mama spider and you're collecting all the little bugs out there that are uh, seeking to help people and uh, providing educational components and like putting videos together. Uh, like you're doing right now, you're making videos about angling, which is a sport to be super honest. I've been fishing since I was, as long as I can remember, my dad took me fishing. That's something we always did. And I know very few black people that fish still and i'm 28 years old so like to to see someone like you doing it is amazing and offering instructional help um i'd love to hear what it is about fishing for you and then uh just hear about the video itself and like the whole series that you're creating around angling oh sure so um 
Like I talked about in the introduction series, my Uncle Joe used to take me fishing, but he never taught me anything. <laughs> but my Uncle Joe was born in the 1910, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. So, you know, he was old school. He's like, oh, your father will provide for you. Your husband, your brothers will take care of you. Just <laughs> stick your line in the water and, you know, leave me alone. Let me smoke yeah. my Gasha Vegas. He called it not Garcia Vega, a Gasha Vega cigar. <laughs> Young lady. <laughs> so he never taught me anything. And I was super excited because here's what I love about fishing. Yeah. So in hunting, you know, a, an animal is giving its life so that you can have food or that another animal can have food. And I don't want to take a life if I don't need to, like the wildcats needed food and there was an overpopulation of deer in North Carolina at the time. And so it was a win-win for yeah. the ecosystem and for the animals. Um, but with fishing, you can fish and release. So you can have the same hunt. You know, I'm on the hunt for a specific type of fish. Um, you know, the walleye eluded me, even though there were lots of early mornings and late nights of fishing in the dark, trying to get a walleye. And yeah. I made a rookie mistake. This was probably going to be the biggest, well, we could see it. It was definitely the biggest fish of my life. And I'm so glad my boyfriend, who's also my teacher, um, was there and he saw it because you know, no one would believe me because I don't have a photo. So my right. rookie mistake was I should have, well, I'm not going to tell you, you can watch the video. We'll I, made, yeah. I made a rookie mistake and it got off my line. And right. so I lost the biggest fish of my life after all that hard work. But that just makes me more excited to get out there next spring when yes. they're spawning and, you know, try and, and land a walleye or, you know, get a John boat. And uh, maybe I can fish for some walleye year round. But mm -hmm. anyway, I love fishing because it's it's like hunting, but you don't have to take a life. Right. You can just, I literally give my fish a kiss. Yep. And put Got it back to. in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, and, and the other thing I love about fishing is that you can walk on water when it's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> cut a hole in it and fish in the dead of winter. And I've literally been in the mountains, 50 mile an hour winds, uh, like I think it was 12 degrees, not including the wind chill factor. Everyone else is leaving. Um, a kid was blown away in a fishing shack <laughs> and the parent let go of the other kid's hand to go save the second kid. And then that kid started blowing away. Like that's how windy it was. And my boyfriend's like, do you want to leave? And I'm like, no, fish on, fish on. <laughs> <laughs> the lake was empty and he's like, you're, you, you know, you're my girl, right? I'm like, yeah. I am your girl. <laughs> Cause right. we're both like, you know, super outdoorsy and, you know, um, winter opened up for me in a whole new way. When winter mm -hmm. comes, maybe I'll go for a hike. Um, but now I'm like, I ice fish. And this year, I hope to take my dog out for um, ski joring, which is like cross-country skiing, but your dog pulls you. Ooh. She's going to love it. She's an American dingo. She loves to be outdoors. Yeah. So and she's super ride or die. She likes ice fishing too. <laughs> There's something magical that happens when you reclaim winter too. When you're like, oh, so I can do something I love and find new things. Like I thought I would hate cross-country skiing. I was like, oh, it's walking on sticks. I love cross-country skiing. It's fantastic. But I, I always hated winter. So I was kind of closed off to it. I didn't like the idea of it. I'm still on the fence about ice fishing. I didn't know if I was going to tell you or not, but you convinced me <laughs> otherwise. But yeah, when you reclaim, reclaim a season and get to uh, be your true authentic outdoor self, all four seasons yeah it makes you a happy person that's for sure it really does hey campers i want to catch you right here in the middle of this episode to tell you about an amazing service for all you outdoorsy people looking for your next great campsite campgroundviews.com campgroundviews.com is the one-stop shop for planning your next camping trip have you ever showed up to a campsite and been a little bit disappointed about maybe the location or just the overall look of the site? I know I have. Campgroundviews.com takes the guesswork out of picking your tent or RV site and allows you to actually virtually tour campgrounds before ever stepping foot at a site. To check out more, go to campgroundviews.com and consider becoming a member. 
as a BIPOC person in the outdoor industry uh, and being as attuned to uh, the changes that we're seeing and people coming out and being involved more and more, um, where do you see like the major successes and major failures in what's happened so far and where we can continue to move that yardstick? I think the major success that the outdoor industry accomplished during probably one of the worst years in modern history, 2020, during the pandemic, global economic recession, et cetera, was that we moved from talking about how to diversify outdoor recreation, extreme sports, adventuring, and we were about doing it. We got down to the brass tacks of actually doing it. So programs like Vibe Tribe Adventures and um, Outdoor Afro, Diversify Whitewater, Whitewater TV, although Whitewater TV is not a nonprofit, we had the same mission, getting people of color, women, LGBTQIA community, people with differing abilities, some say disabilities. I don't like that word as a person with a disability. I don't like being called disabled. Um, I have a differing ability. I, I have to learn things differently, but you know, anyway, but we got down to the business of actually doing it. And so it went from just chatter and warm feelings and a desire to diversify outdoor recreation from the participant, entrepreneur, and employee perspective, because people of color don't just want to be participants. We don't just want to be consumers of outdoor recreation products and services. We also want to be public-facing employees. We also want to be uh, entrepreneurs in this space. Mm-hmm. And the outdoor industry, especially uh, the members at Outdoor America, I've, I'm on their DEI task force. I work with them um, pretty closely. And they are fired up about all the DEI work that's being done in this industry. And I'm super um, grateful to be a part of, of all of that. And so I'm very excited about how much work we've accomplished, yet I'm concerned that it won't last. And I think the biggest failure is two are, are two things. The first is data. So I believe we're not collecting the right data. It's not being collected by the right people, mm-hmm. and it's not being interpreted from a diverse perspective. And so that's that's sort of my biggest um, concern, but I have an idea for how to solve it. And I'm connecting with the university and hopefully we can get a grant and work on this and start collecting data in new ways. And yes. then having a more diverse group um, to help analyze it and figure out how to close the adventure gap. So that's that's one of the big failures. The second big failure is this. I sometimes reach out to organizations who are advising outdoor recreation industry product and service providers, and they do not answer. And what I have said to them is there are some barriers to entering and excelling at outdoor recreation and adventure sports, extreme sports, that white people cannot solve. It is going to require the collaboration and cooperation of leaders of color of the LGBTQIA community, women, and it's not going to be solved by a group of mostly white men who earn over $100,000 a year and and who just don't identify with the people they're trying to bring into this industry. Not saying that you can't have compassion, but for example, I grew up middle class I, I like to say that we were we lived in a middle class neighborhood, but had upper middle class money by the things we did and owned and and so forth. Yeah. And so I don't have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be a three hundred thousand dollar four family four member four family member household trying to survive on three thirty thousand dollars a year and trying to figure out how to outdoor recreate. I don't have that perspective. So guess what? I don't sit in my middle-class environment thinking, well, how do we solve this problem? I go talk to people who earn in that bracket and say, what are the barriers? What are the challenges? How can I help you? 
Right. And so that needs to be the same uh, sort of model in the outdoor industry. You have to talk to black leaders who are and, and Asian leaders and Latinx leaders or BIPOC leaders in general, LGBTQIA leaders and and ask us what are the barriers? How do we work together to solve those issues? Yeah. I, I spoke with Mike Harvey from Badfish Sup uh, last Love week. Love Mike he, Harvey. <laughs> he is an amazing man. I yes, he is. I wish I was close to him so he could like mentor me. He just has that like gentle touch, but um, obviously he's someone uh, close to you as well. And um, you're yeah. a paddler for his team and someone that you've worked with. And I, I was, we were talking about, uh, you know, how a brand creates that um, more inclusive style of, of um, not just showing on social media, but actually going out and doing and, and giving the gear out and being able to just do things like that. And uh, he's like, you know, Dan, I could take a surfboard out to anywhere right now. And there's going to be 10 white guys just like me who think it's awesome. But he's like, you know what? I don't want to do that. That's easy. I want to get involved with people who know more than I do, who know have different experiences than I do and let them take the reins and I'll help them in any way that I can. Which leads me to my next question as a non-BIPOC person, but someone who cares deeply about the issue and, and wants to be involved, but understands that maybe I don't know the best way to be involved. Uh, what is the best way that I can, uh, or someone like me that's listening to this, that can um, you know do some work, get their boots on the ground and figure out how they can be a good ally to keep this thing from pewtering out and keep that fire going? Choose one or more nonprofit organizations or a for-profit company like Whitewater TV and offer content. Offer content that we can create videos, instructional videos, teaching something you love, whether it's paddle sports or fishing or archery or hiking or climbing, because we cover the range of adventure sports, create that content that we can offer for free to people around the world that teaches them what you love. That's the great multiplier. The second way is if you can show up and virtually or in person and volunteer with organizations like Vibe Tribe Adventures, be a guide at Vibe Tribe Adventures, host a American Adventure Sports Club in your town, city, urban setting, suburban setting, or back or rural setting. Um, just get involved. Be volunteer. I'm going to be posting on social media very soon. We are looking for volunteers around the country to help fundraise to um, host a club in your region or your town, city. Mm -hmm. We're crisscrossing throughout the U.S. with the American Adventure Sports Clubs. They're going to be free. Uh, we're going to provide all the gear and apparel for a free three-year membership. They'll also have access to um, subscriber content on Whitewater TV where they'll learn like land and water safety, land acknowledgement, um, backcountry survival skills, how to put up a tent, for example, yeah. how to yeah. buy the right gear and apparel. My first paddle was totally not the right size for me. <laughs> and then I talked to the smart folks over at Werner Paddle and got mm -hmm. the right paddle. And like, you know, my shoulder feels amazing now that I have the right paddle. But, you know, uh, also like knowing which is the right PFD for your body type and body size, right? Seriously. So, you know, I have these big bodybuilder lats and it's hard to, to put those lats <laughs> <laughs> and my girls into a PFD. And then yeah. I tried on this Coke attack hustle. And I'm telling you, it's like, I heard angels sing. <laughs> Cause it, I don't even feel like I'm wearing a PFD, but when you find the right piece of gear for you, it's like amazing. So we want to help people to do that. So volunteer, create content, create content. That's going to be free. Um, volunteer at a local um, or a virtual setting, you can volunteer with different organizations. Um, we'd love to have you at the American Adventure Sports Club. We're starting the first club in Loveland, Colorado. And, um, you know, getting board approval, we hope the next club will be South Central Los Angeles. Wow. Right? Like, how yes. about that? Whew. So, so we're, we're super excited and engaged. We've, we've um, submitted testimony to Congress to ask for funding under the SOAR Act, Simplifying Outdoor Access for Recreation Act. 
Um, we're heavily involved with that. Um, and we have a lot of great announcements coming up about that. So just get involved. If you are passionate about a sport and you love teaching it, you love supporting others and mentoring others. If you can't do it in person, do it virtually. You can do it virtually on Whitewater TV. You can do it virtually at Vibe Tribe Adventures and just get out there and help people to do what you're doing. And then the other thing that I want to say is for any person of color who's listening to this, I've been a corporate executive. I've left my executive suite office dressed in corporate finery, <laughs> <laughs> all of the brand names. I've gone into a high-end department store, literally standing 50 feet from a mannequin wearing the same outfit I'm wearing just to be flanked by a sales associate and a, a security guard to ask me if I could afford to shop here, right? So I know that racism and misogyny can be felt in so many places, but my personal experience is I've never experienced racism or misogyny in outdoor recreation. And people have been so supportive. Even my community of boaters, when I had shoulder surgery, and remind you, most of my my kayaking friends are men. They cooked for me and my partner. They brought us food and they're like, hey, Matt, what can we do to help you? I know you're taking care of Antoinette. How can we support you? How can we support yeah. Antoinette? And so like when you have a solid community, it's nothing like it. And that's what is going to mend the racial tension that's in our country, getting to know each other and not focusing on our differences, we're focusing on the things that we're all passionate about. And then you're like, whoa, this person's more like me than, than I thought they would be. Yes. And it's a very warm and welcoming environment. Amazing. Yeah. Once, once you break it down and, and realize that we're all just people out here trying to be happy. Yeah. Things, things uh, show up differently. Um, okay. Let's say now you, all the resources in the world, money is not an issue. Uh, you can talk to whoever you want to talk to. What is the moonshot for Whitewater TV? The moonshot for Whitewater TV is to create, co-create an adventure sports, American adventure sports club in every holler, every mountaintop, every urban setting, and everyone in America who can't afford access to outdoor recreation has the ability to recreate at no cost. That's, that's about that's, as good as it gets. That's my moonshot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think it's about time we could hop into these final five questions. I do these at the end of every podcast. I actually changed one of them because uh, Mike Harvey gave me a little, he's like, well, I can't do that. I can't tell you that. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's right. And I've been asking, this is our 37th episode. So I, it took me this long to, uh, to change it. So episode or question three will be a little bit different than normal. Uh, but I'll start with question one, which is where can we find you on social media? Um, you and Whitewater TV. And is there anything else that you'd like to bring awareness to that we haven't yet? So I am at Antoinette, I spell it the French way, A-N-T-O-I-N-E-T-T-E-L-E-E, -T -T -E -E, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, on all of my social media platforms, at Antoinette Lee Toscano and my website. Um, and Whitewater TV is whitewater underscore TV on Instagram, and we are whitewater TV on xotv.me, and that's online and on some smart TVs. So, yes, Whitewater TV is on TV, right? That's awesome. <laughs> I saw you guys post that, and I was like, that's big time. <laughs> and um, you can also find me in Paddling Magazine, subscribe to that publication and also on cultures c-u-l-t-u-r-s global multicultural magazine in 200 countries get some wow. great content from yeah. moi there <laughs> <laughs> and we have talked about everything <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was like Whoa. so i don't know that there's anything else except i have some some upcoming um um episodes on whitewater tv so for next year uh, I'm trying to do a hunt in Idaho with my friend's father, who I am like absolutely in love with. And so is yeah. my boyfriend. <laughs> we have it's the biggest crush love. on him. <laughs> like, he, if the Marble Man were real, it would be him. That's Enough awesome. said. 
<laughs> and he's a sweetheart. Don't tell him I said that. We won't tell him. <laughs> and um, then also Whitewater TV is working on some adventures with Ashley Manning. Some we are body huge positive Ashley adventures. Fans. Right? Yeah. So maybe next year we'll do a hike with Ashley Manning. And she's providing some content on Whitewater TV as well. And then um, also we are trying to put together a South Africa stand-up paddle board retreat wow. with Danny Painter, uh, Very who's a radio cool. show host in South Africa. So we're, we've got lots of things that we're trying to, to work out um, for next year, and we'll see how it goes. Fantastic. Awesome. I'll tag uh, as much as I can there in the show notes, and um, obviously stay tuned to Whitewater TV for all that fun stuff. That's amazing. Question number two, what is your favorite outdoor activity and why? I'm super curious. Oh my goodness. Oh, kayakers don't hate me, but <laughs> <laughs> I love kayaking, but I am so in love with stand-up paddleboarding right now. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I, I took a lesson with Natalie Zollinger, um, Rocky Mountain Paddle and um, Rocky Mountain Paddleboard and um, Brittany Parker. Brittany Parker, yeah. And I am just in love with this sport right now. I fall more than I'm on the board. Well, those girls get more hype about that than anything. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But uh, next year, I really hope that I'm out surfing uh, a river and running a river on a stand-up paddleboard. Of course, I'll be kayaking with my paddling crew here, but I am so in love with paddleboarding. And I hope to rig out a, a paddleboard so I can fish from it, which is yes. not easy. <laughs> the, the, I mean, being able to see down into the water, the perspective. Uh, right? I've been talking about paddleboarding a lot lately on the show, so I think I might have to, I might have to invest. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, question number three. This is the one I just redid. So uh, I used to ask, "Where is your favorite place outdoors?" But uh, instead, "Where is a place in the outdoors that's nearest to your heart?" Oh, goodness. So this is going to sound so self-serving, but, you know, to be a middle class person and to be able to afford a home these days is kind of a big deal. But, you know, my partner and I, we were wise with our money and we saved and we went without. And, you know, like I don't have the latest fashions anymore because I spend it all on, you know, outdoor recreating (laughs) and, and a home. But just two weeks before the pandemic lockdown, we moved into our new home in Colorado, in Northern Colorado. And to, to be two creatives, he's a professional photographer and I'm mostly a writer and public speaker, but to be two creatives and to find like your dream home. And it's a modest little brick house but it fits us perfectly. Mm-hmm. But the view is amazing. Across the street from us, there's a lake, there's a working cattle ranch, and there is, which we love the cattle and the the horses, and we're learning so much about cattle culture yeah. <laughs> and how to safely interact with a bull. <laughs> <laughs> and we have um, Mountain Vista as well. So my favorite place is in my front or backyard and, Mm -hmm. you know, sipping on some homebrew chamomile tea and just like taking it all in, you know? So yeah, that's my favorite outdoor place. I love that answer. I love that answer. Uh, What is something that you saw that you see today as a blessing that in the moment that it happened, you might've saw it as a mistake. Mm. Breaking your back and having a traumatic brain injury when you're super young, your life is just getting started, you know, in your early 20s, it felt like, why me? Why did this thing have to happen to me? But I think it was a blessing uh, because, not I think, I know it was a blessing because there are a lot of people suffering. They don't know how to obtain unconditional happiness, happiness that's not dependent on your circumstances Mm -hmm. and, and real true happiness. Yet 
um, Professor Sonia Lubomirsky in her research, she wrote that 40% of your happiness is absolutely within your control. And I talk about that a lot on my New Normal Big Life blog and New Normal Big Life TV channel. Yes, I have a second channel. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if I hadn't gotten injured, I never would have sought true happiness. I never would have true happiness unconditional happiness in my own life. And I would not know how to help other people achieve unconditional happiness in their lives. And that's a blessing to me to help someone else to, to see them in such despair and then go from despair to, I really am unconditionally happy. I created my new normal and I'm living as big a life as I can envision to hear someone speak those words back to me is such an amazing blessing. So I think breaking my back and having a brain injury is my blessing. Wow, that's that's so powerful just to to hear you say someone giving those words back to you. That's yeah, that's special. Uh, before question number five, Antoinette, I just want to take a second and acknowledge you for not only showing up, but showing up in like the biggest firework display possible. Uh, taking the skills and the knowledge and the ups and downs and the things that you've cultivated in your life uh, and not hoarding them for yourself, but instead, uh, you know, spreading them wide for the world to enjoy and continuing to find that passion and drive to do those things is really inspiring. So uh, I appreciate you for all that you do. Thank you, Dan. And I receive that. I know so many people say to me, I don't give compliments often because I give real compliments. I won't give you a compliment if you don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when I give compliments so often, I hear people say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't receive compliments or gifts very well. It's so uncomfortable for me. And, you know, I think it's mostly because in their mind, they don't acknowledge that they deserve, they've earned that compliment, yes. right? So I make it a point to tell people that I receive your compliment. And it's not a judgment thing. I'm not judging people for being unable to receive a compliment. But I think our society socializes us to, to not say, mm, I look good and I know it. Yes. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't surf a, a rapid right now and I can't paddle class four, but I look good doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Well, like, and I also think like in order to give compliments, you have to be able to receive a compliment too. And like, as a, a person who seems fairly extroverted and like likes people, uh, you know what? I'm not, I'm really? an ambivert. Oh, oh my goodness. So, yeah. Let me tell you about ambiverts. So ambiverts, we are truly extroverted and truly introverted, but only extroverted for short periods of time because it's very exhausting. And you got to recharge. And you have to recharge by going silent. Like I don't put on a TV and music and whatever. It has to be completely silent. Um, and, you know, I'd like to come back to talk about a couple of things. Yeah. Being healthy in your adventure sports lifestyle, because we have a lot of injuries. There's also a lot of competition. Other people are paddling at a higher skill or climbing more technical um, routes than I can. And there's all this competition and you can get in your head. I am comfortably a... Um, class two plus kayaker. And yes. I am so okay with that. Right. You know, I strive to be a class three plus kayaker, maybe even a class four one day, but I have no, um, I don't feel self-conscious that I can't boat at a higher class. I am where I am. I'll get there eventually or not. Right. Yes. So the point is that I'm having fun. Right. And so there's a lot of pressure out there and there's a lot of, um, imposter syndrome out there. And I really want to have a conversation about health and wellness in outdoor recreation and extreme sports, because I don't think a lot of people stop to think about their health and wellness. And I love Anna Levesque because she talks about the whole mind, body, and um, um, as well as developing your skills. So that whole concept 
And so I just love her content for that reason, aside from her just being such a wonderfully warm and beautiful on the inside and outside person. But anyway, I'd love to talk about that because managing a brain injury, being a somewhat introverted person who has to be extroverted because of the work I do and because I do love people, Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of management. And I have some tips, tricks, and tools for, for folks. Let's get that on the calendar because I struggle f- with all those things and I could probably need to use this space too. <laughs> um, the last question is question number five. When it is all said and done, when you are dead and all we have left to talk about is your legacy and the things that you left behind, what do you hope that we are talking about? I hope that you're talking about the fact that America now has a free adventure sports program like we have it, like they have in Europe. Right. I hope that you're talking about how when I was 12, I went to my local American Adventure Sports Club and I learned how to fish. Yeah. Yeah. What a legacy. And now I'm teaching other people. Beautiful. Beautiful. Antoinette, thank you so much for being a part of Camping Out. This was super enjoyable. I do think we got to get a second interview on here and talk about uh, health, wellness, and everything uh, within the adventure sports realm. But we'll save that for another campfire. Sounds great. Thank you, Dan, for having me. It's been wonderful seeing your face and chatting with you. This conversation was long overdue, and I really appreciate you. Great. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday here, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Bye. And that, my beautiful fireside friends, is a wrap for episode number 37 of Camping Out with Antoinette Lee Toscano. If you are leaving that conversation craving some Whitewater TV, go ahead and check out the show notes. You'll see information on how to get signed up there as well as some of the other resources that we talked about in our conversation. And while you're in the show notes, make sure you follow Camping Out with Dan on Instagram, as well as click on the shop link to go get yourself your own Camping Out swag, t-shirts, hats, all the good stuff. Remember, 10% of every purchase goes to help an organization that is helping people get outdoors. If this fireside chat with Antoinette is making you feel like you need to get involved in your community and find ways to do so, listen to her advice. Find those different organizations that are helping. Do a virtual event. Go volunteer your skills in person. Get involved. Make a difference. And uh, bring a little bit more joy into every day. If you want some help with that, go ahead. Reach out to me on social media or at campingoutwithdan at gmail.com. All right, guys. This is the end of our time. Remember, adventure comes to those who go.